transmitting to you from Old Heart Radio. Pop it and lock it. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, dear God. Uh, folks, if you hear the chuckling sounds of our voices, you know it's a fucking episode of the Whack Arnold's Brothers. But yeah, David, I just want to I want to give them a lay, a lay of the land of how the next couple episodes are going to work. So please do. You know, a little while ago, we did a, a 70s deep dive and we it was one episode. Um but with the 80s, there's a lot of horror going on. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. we're going to split this up into episodes. So the first episode is going to be um, 1980, 1981, and 1982. Episode 41 is going to be 1983, 1984, 1985. Um, and then episode 42 is going to be 86, 87, 88, and 89. So pretty much for each episode, we're each going to talk about we're each going to pick six movies from those years, so 12 movies in total to kind of talk about in, the, in a little bit more length. But there will also, also obviously be shout-outs and quick mentions as well. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's uh, – like like you said, man, it was – this this decade is, like, just ripe for the picking for the most part. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, yeah. there's, there's just juicy bits hanging all over this fucking place. And – um. You know, like I got to meet like when I got started getting into horror, it was one of those things where, you know, like at first you I, I don't know if this is just me. I at first like I barely paid attention to like decades until I started realizing like, damn, like certain things stood out in, you know, in movies. And then you're like, OK, this is like a product of like this style from this particular time period. And that's why I'm kind of glad we're doing these because it's sort of, a, it's a fun way to focus on some of these movies, you know, and then you can kind of trace like certain similarities as you go along and you can kind of, you know, it, it helps you paint the artistic vision overall of what horror was at the time. Right. Um, but that being said, I'm going to start this off with a glorious, <laughs> glorious fucking dive. Um, right. In, you know, you just got to jump off the deep end sometimes right into Cannibal Holocaust from 1980. Uh, it's just, a good pick because this movie has some like history between the two of us. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, this movie... <laughs> This movie's been I like I still have a copy of this movie. Yeah, I remember when we were in in uh, probably like tenth grade, and I had never seen it. You were, you grabbed an elusive copy of it and uh, initiated me to it, and I was like a huge fan of horror. But this is just at the time it was just like next level to where it was like it was. It's a fucked up movie. If you've, it is. It's one of those movies where even like diehard horror fans are disgusted by it, and rightfully so. There's like the parts that always stuck out to me and always fucked with me was how all the animal deaths were real. Like they really hacked up that turtle. And yeah. Et cetera. Exactly, man. Like shit like that was fucking like disturbing. I remember, like, I remember, I think we, when we were watching it and fucking watching that turtle, it was just like, 
like that was it. I think we turned it off for like for a hot second at that point, at least because it was just like, fuck this, dude. Like, what the f- I didn't sign up for this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's I mean, that's the whole thing with Cannibal Holocaust. Like I was, you know, reading about it, it, you know, like I, I'm not. I'm not defending the fucking animal deaths in this movie. I think it, I think it's an important thing, but I, I like the idea behind it was there was something called like mono films at the time or like, or like around, there was a thing that the director had kind of gotten into. And those were like these really extreme artistic things where it was just raw and real. And like, Mm -hmm. and so like, this was like the dude trying to pay like homage, like in a way to that. And, and, you know, cause it's like visceral and yeah, it's visceral, but in a terrible way. Um, but totally. you know, this movie over like, it's, it's one of those, I think it was one of the f- like oldest at the, like, not like to me, it was one of the oldest found footage quote unquote yeah. films when I, yeah. when we watched it, because I, you know, like, I think up until that point, Blair, Witch had dominated everybody's found film type of like yeah. you know, category, but this is like, it's interesting that, We'll continue what you're saying. Oh, this has just got layers to it, you know, because it 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 it's supposedly a commentary on like the commercial world, while like so you know you get this like these weird like business modern day shots, and then it mm-hmm. then you know when the when this crew goes to find this other crew, you know, in the jungle, <laughs> like then they find the footage, and eventually you watch the footage that they found, and so you know it's just fucking, it's bizarre, and they went to like extensive lengths to get this fucking thing done, which is crazy. Yeah, but did. what's, what's wild is, and you mentioned it earlier. It's kind of, it's marred in a bit of controversy because mm-hmm. when it got released, it, it was pulled immediately, uh, due to a number of things. One was the animal, the animal rights violations. Another was, um, at the time, people like there was you know circulation about like not being you know there's questions about it being a snuff film in some uh-huh. circles and you know because and I didn't realize this till today the director had forced the cast and crew to sign a one year agreement to like halt all, any media appearances. That's why that's what I'm saying where it, it, where it were, uh, had parallels to Blair Witch like that where people oh. where they had to do the same thing and. Like even the director, uh, Ruggiero Dodato, he actually got um, uh, charged with uh, multiple counts of murder because they thought that these actors, it wasn't, they weren't really actors that they got killed filming this movie because of what you just mentioned. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, but, you know, and and, and something, uh, again, kind of bouncing off of what you mentioned earlier, David, like this this movie is polarizing for uh, horror fans as, as well as any, the, the layman. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, like some people really came out and defended it. Like uh, nobody should be surprised. Lloyd Kaufman from Troma. Uh, oh, geez. You know, he was like, he you know was was uh, all about this movie um mm-hmm. when it came out some directors were like i definitely see the vision and like of the commentary that that you know they were going for which i think is fucking bullsh like as this movie ages that is definitely not what it will be remembered for uh <laughs> but you know like they 
there there's all sorts of fucking shit about this movie like supposedly you know they used they they like locals uh to film uh you know a lot of the tribes the and stuff like that people, the yeah. indigenous people and um i read at one point you know that they were a lot of them ended up being unpaid and on hmm. top of that they had to do like certain types of dangerous shit like there's like a whole scene where a bunch of the a bunch of people are like in a burning hut and there's <laughs> like no yeah. joke and they were like they were like not even paid to be standing in this burning hut at the end of the fucking day you know <laughs> i didn't know that that's pretty fucked up yeah dude shit like that um but like all sorts of stuff like the cast like didn't get along like the cast definitely there's a particular members that were really against like the animal sh the cruel like of the animal course. cruelty shit like you know like i read a story about oh fuck i think it was alan yates maybe that's wrong uh yeah, the actor's name was yates and he had like basically like formed an attachment with this pig that ends up getting fucking killed uh -huh. in the movie like because like they all like journeyed to this you know site together and he kind of like carried you know you know took care of it a little bit on the way and then like during the scene where the pig dies it lets out these like you know gut-wrenching squeals of fucking oh, death yeah. and like it turns out it fucks up like the dude's actual like monologue that he's supposed to give because like he just you know got like fucking like so crushed and like torn in that moment you know and so like this this does not like for what this movie is and for like the oh my god there's some like gnarly visuals in this movie there's some it's hard to get through there's yeah. some fucked up shit there's a but there's also a particular some, scene there's a oh, particular yeah. scene invo in, involving a rock which oh uh, god dude i'm I not gonna I, talk anymore about but yeah Jesus Christ. it's it's just gnarly and you know it pushes the limits of what what you as a viewer can consume in a way mm -hmm. uh which is kind of interesting that's like one of the totally. things i take away about this movie is that like you know just because it's fucking polarizing doesn't mean there you know there might not be something there for the for the viewer but it is overall a fucked movie and one of the things but one of the little last things um i wanted to mention was that and i'm sure this is common knowledge but it had a working title basically of the green inferno which is yeah which is why Eli Roth. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, which I always think is like, just like a cool little like tie in. Cause like that always instills that Eli Roth, of course, is n nothing but a fucking fanboy. So, oh, yeah. You know oh, yeah. He, mean? he even, he even talked about that. The, the, that movie was like, in his, in a sense, like in a less brutal, while it's still brutal homage to, uh, it's cannibal holocaust cannibal holocaust and another yeah, movie that was similar to that called cannibal ferox which i've never actually seen but i guess it's like the same kind of plot so yeah i i feel like there's very similar uh mm -hmm. things but um oh i guess the one one other thing i wanted to mention like when it came out it actually did fairly fucking well that's the mm -hmm. wild thing so like it got huge in japan it became this it, the only movie no no joke this is the the only movie that was bigger in japan that year was et wow isn't that fucking wild it is pretty that's interesting et cannibal holocaust <laughs> wow. and then just to put some salt and some burn that i've been like simmering with the so i looked up the uh rotten tomatoes score 
for cannibal okay. holocaust and it was something around like 75 or 78 percent and i looked at the one of the most recent marvel movie uh rotten tomato scores the eternals and Ooh. that settled it at 65 percent so i just want to point out that cannibal holocaust has a better rotten tomato score than an mcu movie <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome Woo! I just thought that was great. But yeah, that being said, if you've heard of this movie and never watched it and you're curious, I say check it out. But I say that with totally. the with the extreme warning of like there's yeah. some graphic fucking shit. But it's, it's that not being gonna said, be for everybody. Yeah. I like no joke. The copy that David alluded to, it was a director's cut of oh, Jesus. edition like uh, that I found on a shelf randomly at Hastings once upon a time like it was i thought you had got it online that's crazy no. you just found it at a wenatchee hastings <laughs> yeah like i was because i used to peruse those shelves so fucking hard and then one day i was just like cannibal holocaust like i can't <laughs> like, like i can't not buy this like when's the next time i'm gonna be able to buy this you know and it's a uh, good point yeah yeah and i i just want to say i still like that's the dvd i have <laughs> i still have that copy that's amazing, that's amazing. <laughs> so boom that being, that being said you know like like i said check it out if you dare but it's a it's a rough one uh but what what's uh what's what's your first pick of the night david so you you know i figure we'll start out with a couple of the 1980s movies uh before I jump into my first one, I just want to do a couple quick shout outs. So a couple other movies that came out in 1980, uh, Christmas Evil, which we've actually talked about <laughs> oh, in oh, length. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about a Friday the 13th film later, but the actual first one came out in the 80s. And I feel like we couldn't do this without talking about the original in some length, because kind of like in the same sense that Halloween did, Friday the 13th came out and spawned a whole legion of imitators, similar movies. And it's just an iconic movie that's that had a humble beginnings and spawned oh, yeah. a gigantic franchise. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And the first one was also, it's not very often that you have a female killer, especially not one that you see coming. I just think it's you, we couldn't go on without mentioning it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to do one more 80 shout out and I'll do some more later. But uh, we also have two or two rather. We have two Jay Mealy Curtis movies that came out in 1980, uh, Prom Night and Terror Train. Oh and they both God. have their they both have their own uh, set of qualities. Um, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've ever watched Terror Train. I've, I've been like, it's been on my list on Shudder for a second and yeah. I've been like wanting to watch it. Um, but like, I've definitely seen, I've seen Prom Night before, but out of the two of them, do you have, do you have a, like a, a preferred, do you think, like, I know they, you just said they both have their merits, but is there like, kind of close. Like, does one have a better mystery or something? Well, Terror Train, Terror Train is kind of, it's, I like it because it's in a more of a closed in, in smaller setting like they're literally on this train it's like a high school graduation okay. party they're on this train so it's like a confined setting yeah we have a young a young david copperfield in it a killer in a carl's Marx mask which is really random but i think <laughs> i think prom night is uh i like the sequel to prom night 
better actually that's a tough one i don't know i'd, I'd say they're about even hmm. that's a i've never watched the sequel but I, I just i saw it the other day isn't it hmm. i think i read it was about some sort of supernatural it had some supernatural yeah, elements it has to some it. super it has supernatural i'm interested in that it, shit yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh the first movie i want to talk about in length and i feel like throughout this whole chunk of 80s because i'm going to talk about two argento movies in this episode and then when we get to the next episode, uh, I've mentioned Phenomena multiple times, but it's a movie <laughs> that came out in 85, so I'm going to be talking about that in length finally. But my first pick is 1980's Inferno, which uh, is one of my... It's hard to pick like a favorite Argento movie, but it's definitely up there. It's the second part of the uh, Three Mothers trilogy. Yeah. And just a beautiful, brutal fantastic movie dude this was um like you uh you just mentioned it's like it's the second of the three um i remember like it took me forever to to, to see this one like before after i watched the suspiria like just because i couldn't i feel like i couldn't get my hands on it for for a really long time um but yeah this movie is fuck like you said it's fucking awesome it's it's killer it, it has there's an there's an opening it is beautiful and beautiful is a way to describe like the this super this long scene that begins that's at the beginning um with um this character named rose whose brother is the like the main character in the movie but this character rose near the beginning she's the one that finds out about you know the apartment complex she's living in might be the home of one of these um the three mother witches which the in Suspiria it's, it's made her Suspirium and this one it's made her Tenenbaum but there's this beautiful elaborate sequence where she ends up in this um like under this ballroom that's like under this underwater ballroom where she drops her keys in and goes in to get them and it's every time I watch this movie I'm just amazed by this sequence dude I mean, and that's like, it's, it's a fairly common thing with Argento movies. I feel like you can go back and you can really just appreciate so much, whether it's like camera angles, whether it's, you know, the, the lighting, the it, there's, color. Yeah. yeah, there's just so much. Um, yeah, dude, this, I don't know. Uh, this, this movie also has like any one of his movies, a fair share of gruesome um what's the word i'm looking Gru gruesome over the top elaborate kills there's oh, you yeah. know, we talked about how in italian cinema glass plays a role in this one you know rot that's how rose dies she ends up getting guillotined by uh glass from a broken window um one of my favorite kills in the scene is there's a character that uh she ends up getting entangled in like a burning um like burning draperies falls oh, out yeah. of a window and plummets through a skylight and it's fucking amazing dude it's so it's just bam 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 like she like you think it's going to be the one thing and then it's the next thing and then it's the next yeah. thing <laughs> oh man yeah this is like I, I, you know, I can't speak to whatever, what the third part is I, uh, of the series, but, you know, if you thought Suspiria was like a fucking, like, killer, you know, then 
you have to follow up with Inferno if you ask oh, me. Like, oh. you, you know, don't drop it. Like, keep keep going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's just one of those movies where I could watch anytime and still be blown away by it. And I feel like I can say that for a lot of his work. Um, mm-hmm. And he's someone that I only, like, admittedly only discovered in the last, like, five years or so. But just... Uh, quickly got drawn into all of you know multiple viewings of multiple movies and i also haven't seen um mother of tears i think came out in like 2009 and i've yeah. never seen it it doesn't really have that many good reviews but i feel like one of these days i'm, I'm gonna have to find it and watch it he actually has a, a movie coming out um this year that's gonna come out on shutter that i'm looking forward to oh so it's about like a, a blind girl and I actually really haven't read too much about it. it's called i think it's called like dark glasses or something like that uh huh. that, i mean but that's I just, definitely worth checking I, I feel like every director gets to a point where when they get later in career like not everyone but it happened with toby hooper it's happened with other people where they kind of um their work starts diminishing unfortunately and yeah, i don't that's, know that's a good way of putting that if that's credited to you're just used to the high level of their movies or if they're just getting older and out of touch with what their original like uh ideas were i don't know it's it's kind of hard to say yeah well and particularly i think like filmmakers that get known for like their style maybe that's like you know as especially as like new tech probably started taking over like the industry maybe that got to be like kind of like a a point where it was like you know do i learn to adapt to this new stuff or do i you know die out with my old and yeah yeah you know i i feel like some people have not that like cgi is great don't get me wrong like but i feel like when cgi really became prominent some people some directors tried you know to get in that game and i don't know if that's that that can be said about that movie or not but you know, like. Anyway, I'm I, I'm interested to see what the sh- what the movie is on Shutter because like mm-hmm. Argento is like it, if he's fucking making something, it's worth it's worth giving it a, a check. Yeah. Uh, you know, view like definitely, especially in 2022, man, that's fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool, man. They, yeah, that talking about that makes me just want to go back and watch it now, like just because you know describing like talking about like the lighting and some of the coloring and some of the fucking crazy creative crazy <laughs> deaths like it's oh, like yeah. it yeah it just like it just it sounds like uh you know a fucking good evening in or whatever oh, yeah. you know what i mean damn oh, yeah. dude, that's a good pick oh shit uh that's my mic stand my bad um yeah that's well i guess uh you know keeping going through that fucking early chunk of the you know well of the you know 1980 trend here um we have to talk about we i feel like we've mentioned it before but uh you know it's the 1980 john carpenter like banger Mm. Mm. the fog man (laughs) the fog is like it man i have a distinct memory of like watching the fog like really paying attention to it for the first time like 
by myself in like a dark room uh, you know i was probably just setting. like yeah i was probably just like you know like tired from the day and i was like oh you know i'm gonna just zone out on this but it, like i just it grabs your attention just like any other john carpenter movie because there's so much to look at like oh yeah this uh but this movie it's a, it's an interesting one because it's it's kind of part of like i read it was part of a two film deal that he had at the time where it was like this he was able to make this and escape from new york oh nice and you know like this you see some i think you see some people that end up like as like roles in that movie you also see some people from uh his previous work halloween uh in this movie as well and i think it's kind of a cool trend that he sort of had for a bit where it was like uh, it's one of the things I like, always liked about Wes Anderson. You know, you just you rolled with some people that you, you yeah, know, that you, want you in your pick movies. your favorites. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Real, before you before you talk too much about this movie, I just want to say there's some. It's ironic because later on we're gonna in this episode we're gonna talk about Creep Show, and mm. there's three act there's three actors that are in the fog: uh, Tom Atkins, Adrian Barbeau, and Hal Holbrook, who are also in Creep Show. Hell yeah. Um, and all play great roles in this movie. Even though Tom Atkins' role is small, it's funny. His character's name in the movie is Nick Castle, which is the name of the actor who played Michael Myers in the original Halloween. So yeah. that was a nice little nod. Yeah. And um, I can't... Oh, man. There's like... There's like... A, actually, I feel like there's a couple of characters that I read that were like purposely named after cast members from that set. Mm-hmm. which i think it, yeah it's just kind of neat um but you know of course this is like a you know it's a ghost story if you will uh yeah and you know it's it, it plays on like a couple it's like it, i think it was what did i read it was like influenced by a couple of different like older movies that sort of had like that general premise of like you know a ship has gotten uh, has crashed off the shore and now there's spirits that come and you know this just takes it such a step further because those spirits come and they fucking like they, they want they're, their fucking kill you know what I mean? they're, they're vengeful they're oh vengeful. yes sir yes <laughs> and um but you know like any carpenter movie I, I feel like there's like a certain I don't know like I just like the aesthetic of some of his early work, like the mm-hmm. visual aesthetic, the way he shot. And this movie I uh, was kind of underfunded. I think they made it for like one million dollars, and yeah. it was like he purposely shot it. Fuck, I can't, I'm gonna, I don't want to misspeak. It was like he purposely shot it on like a specific uh, in the frame size to make it to make it seem like it was like a bigger budget film because that's like hmm. what like bigger budget films were doing at the time so it was like, I don't want, yeah like and like it 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 looks it works really well because you know so much of this movie feels like i don't know like some of the characters they're just all small town and you know it's it there's so much that feels small about this movie and so that that's kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. aspect ratio i think to try to strive for in terms of like a perhaps like a bigger action-y kind of movie at the time or whatever it's just a great setting it's just this great oh dude you know this the setting of antonio bay this little you know it's the 100th 100th anniversary it's this little town 
um, that just gets plummeted into this 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 horror that you know, unbeknownst to them, there was this dark past to the history of their town. You know mm. that a lot that a lot of them didn't even know about. So they they're coming under fire from these really awesome looking like uh, spirits. You yeah. these these uh, god damn it. Um, pirate, you know. Yeah, they're like pirate ghosts, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's it's awesome. And like the end sequence with uh, with Hal Hobrick's character, you know, where it's like <laughs> the con the fight, like the confrontation in the church, and there's just like I don't know, like just like the, the bright shining light and like everything. It's just it's just fucking wild how this movie unfolds and you're sort of just like, I, I read that apparently there's a novelization of this yeah, movie. No, I've read it. I read you it have? when I was in treatment. Yeah. I've read oh. it when I was in treatment. Yeah. So apparently that establishes that the ghosts were specifically there for people that like the descendants of certain people. And like, like I, I, you know, you get that vibe yeah. with perhaps like the priest maybe, but like you did, I didn't fully understand that, but that's kind of yeah, cool. He's the, he's the one at the end where he's like mentioning how, they only killed uh, five people. Uh, what about the sixth one? And then, yeah, he gets that the surprise beheading at the end of the movie. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's it's just a it's another one. Like I, you know, if I would say like, gosh, it's hard to rank Carpenter's movies, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm capable is. of doing it right yeah. now. But I would easily put this in like my top three or four to fucking watch for sure. Like just because it doesn't. It doesn't like slam you, it, but you get some awesome, like great, like horror moments. You don't get like it's. I don't know. It it's an easy ride if you like horror movies. That's what I'll it say. is. It is. But yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a good. It's also a good um, movie where if, it'd be one of those movies where if you you know someone that's just getting into horror, it'd be good. It'd be something good to show them because it's not too overly brutal or complicated or violent or anything like that it's just a good like you said a good ghost story yeah like show them this movie and then show them the thing later on you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah dude oh man yeah this you know like I said, I mean, I just have a fondness for John Carpenter. Like there's like everything from like the idea that like he composes the music to his movies that he's partnered totally. up, you know, with like, uh, like, you know, one of his main partners, Deborah Hill. Uh, mm-hmm. And they do like, they continuously were just like knocking out awesome stuff. Like it, totally. makes, you know, it, it, it solidifies him to me as like one of my like, ooh, you know, legendary horror directors, you know, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Hell yeah. He's just oh. a cool guy too. Like you see interviews with him. He's just this humble, nice, you know what I mean? He just seems like a normal person. Like the other day he was taught like a couple of weeks ago, came out how he was this big fan of the new Halo campaign. And he just seems like he's just this cool guy. You know what I mean? That is fucking dope. Dude. <laughs> but uh, a movie that, a movie that, okay, we, I just pointed out about how if you were to introduce someone to horror show them the fog i think that the movie i'm going to talk about next maniac <laughs> a little more of a brutal brutal movie that you might want to wait until you bit you know you've watched some other horror f- first because this movie has one i think one of the gnarliest uh 
death scenes in it. Um, and I mentioned before watching this Tom Savini documentary, he talks about how he made it, but there's a scene where uh, um, Joe, Spine- Joe Spinelli plays this guy came called Frank Zito. He's a, he's, a, he's a fucking psychopath who scalps women and he puts their scalps on these mannequins around his house. But there's this one shot where he literally jumps up on the hood of a car and points blank blows somebody's fucking head off with a shotgun and it is gnarly <laughs> yeah dude gnarly is a fucking statement man it's fucking like woof. yeah it's it's just a fucking moment man like you just it's one of those like i've watched it before and like i've like been taken aback for a second like whoa totally like brutal yeah so yeah you i don't know man because it's just fucked up. You know, it's one thing to see someone get stabbed, but I, but, oh man, it's, it can be rough to watch because it's, it just looks so fucking real. Yeah. Or it looks like what you would imagine what it would look like if someone would literally put a fucking shotgun right to your face and just blew your head off. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It it's a beautiful, this movie is not for everybody. Like I said, it's really graphic and, it's one of those movies where, you know, a lot of the times where people discuss movies and they're like, especially, you know, like a Roger and Ebert type where they discuss movies and they'll, they'll mention with some horror movies where, you know, I could understand why this movie exists, but this is one of those movies where a lot of people are like, I don't understand why this movie exists. It's just bloody and violent. And it's just this guy going around killing women, but yeah i don't know the i mean it does it 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 is exactly that you know and and that's why it's like it's it's you know again one of those kind of you know almost polarizing like movies Uh, i think as a horror fan you you probably should watch it at some point um Mm -hmm. you know and and but i think yeah i think for the mainstream it's it's definitely always going to be like a well it's like What's that Wes Craven movie? I spit on your grave. Oh, a lot of deer. Yeah. A lot of people always go like, "Why the <laughs> fuck was that made?" You know, like, yeah. like that's, that's nothing. That you know, like, th- I mean, that's a completely different. That that that's got a whole bunch of other issues itself. I think, but right, right like this right. movie is just like wildly fucking gnarly and yeah, times. Just, and either I way, love the, I love the ending though. I love, I love, love, love the ending where. He spent this whole movie basically, um, you know, killing women, de- 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 degrading women. And then at the end, he just like loses his mind. And in his head, he sees these mannequins come to life and, and sort of uh, treat him the same way that he had treated them their whole life. So in their way, like, I don't think that's maybe what the director uh william lustig was going for but that's kind of just something i got i got from him where mm-hmm. he did all these things to to women and then in the end he gets his comeuppance the same way yeah it's not like i'm saying it's not like i'm saying this is like female empowerment or anything to no that no extent. no but that's an interesting <laughs> that's an interesting point yeah like like in a way it's like getting his roundabout like oh man it, yeah and of course don't you get like a <laughs> After all said and done, I believe you also get a, one of those, you know, uh, op- open eye moments at the end of the movie. 
where you think Frank's, yeah, Frank's yeah. done and then <laughs> I fucking love I, it. Uh, did I, you? I just what's up? I was just gonna ask. Did you did you ever catch the um the like Elijah Wood did a, a remake of this movie? A remake, yeah. I, I I haven't seen it to be honest. I, I heard it's either. pretty good though. I felt like he was gonna be really creepy in it, and I didn't want to see Elijah Wood that way. <laughs> really. I thought he was great as like the uh, in Sin City, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, well that's basically it. I was like, oh my god, dude, it's Kevin, but one step further. <laughs> uh, I, anyway, I, I like uh, so William Lustig. Um, he didn't really make a lot of movies, but have you ever seen any of the Maniac Cop movies? <laughs> They're so entertaining. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking wild. Did he do? uh one just one of them or all of them all three of them oh my god i didn't realize that oh yeah dude i'm looking at it right here director william lusting previously worked on on porn (laughs) (laughs) of course (laughs) i feel like i feel like that was a transition for a few different uh directors and filmmakers at that time that's fucking wild um yeah, dude, maniac. Yeah, another another one, man. Like, like I said, I feel like you got to kind of, I feel like you got to watch it if you're a horror fan at some point. Yeah, I got to. So I feel like we might as well finish out um, 1980 with one of your with uh, another one of your picks. But before that, I just want to do a couple more quick shout outs for 1980. And if I forgot anything, I apologize. But we have two. There's two. Uh, kind of more cult uh cult classics i would say we got motel hell which uh has rory calhoun playing this great role of you know this guy this guy that owns a motel and you know just one of those great shots where when the people discover in his garden you know the people buried up to their necks with bags over their head it's just a great movie there's the scene with the chainsaw and he's got like a pig head on it's just it's just a, it's a movie that a lot, not a lot of people have seen and i would say the same thing for a trauma another another 80 movie another 80s movie that was a trauma movie called mother's day oh i've heard of mother's a, day <laughs> it does follow kind of you know not not necessarily my favorite uh thing in movies about it's these two like deranged brothers that essentially rape and kill women you know it's not my favorite but it does have you know where in the end the the females that are shown in the movie get their just desserts and kill these guys but it's actually i it's got it's it i don't know it's not my favorite i don't like watching movies with a lot of unnecessary rape scenes and we've talked about that a multitude yeah. of times but, but i it, still can't overstate that enough that it, you know but it sounds like this this has some other moments that might make it kind yeah of worth it's it, it's know? an entertaining movie yeah for sure hell yeah um yeah we'll uh like you said we'll round out the 80s uh with uh a movie most people are familiar with i'd, I'd say totally totally the shining yeah so the shining obviously is a fucking <laughs> like it's a it's a masterpiece it's if you ask me it's it's a wild movie man like i you know at, for at times i've had moments where i've been like okay i've seen it enough but then mm-hmm. you like 
you know, you, you watch it again after a little bit and you're just fascinated by it all over again. If you ask me, if, at least I am. And, um, you know, it's, it's got like a, a history that, you know, it's far more extensive, uh, than, than, you know, I can fucking talk about, but it's, you know, we, we can, we, you, you have stories of like <laughs> Kubrick on set being wild. You have, you know, the being crazy to actors and camera people to get what he needs. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, you have, that's just what like, he was though. I don't yeah. Know. And, 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 Certain, yeah. I, I watched this clip with Shelly Duvall and you know, like it was like, she was like talking about how like they just clashed constantly. And, mm-hmm. uh, but she was just like, in the end we got, you know, what, like what we were there for, you know? And I was just like, damn dude. Like it's, it's weird that it seemed like, a ubiquitous respect for the method but that's what kubrick brought to the set so mm-hmm. this what's what's great about this and every uh, you know is is that it's a powerhouse combination in a way well it was supposed to be it was supposed to be you know stephen king's work uh right made for screen by kubrick and you kind of get a bit of that obviously but even at times king when it would go on to say that this was like you know not his it. vision yeah and, you know um it's inner it is interesting he like you know he wasn't a is. fan of the the way he changed the ending etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah but but saying saying that he hates it is kind of going too far but then again there's things that we might not know that you know oh yeah i mean i i imagine like at the time he probably got really burned on it because he submitted you know an original script that kubrick was like fucking trash and <laughs> and so you know and and so it was like you, you know probably i mean if you look at what you know stephen king's work it's detailed and it's you know and it it is its own like world immediately as soon as you pick it up oh, yeah. and oh yeah and i imagine that like that kubrick probably and you know in a way didn't want to compromise anything that he was going to do vision wise, you know, I completely agree. And, and, th- but that being said, like the pro the, the product that you get is fucking fascinating. I like I it. said yeah. earlier, it's it, the setting dude, like the, the, just the opening sequence, you know, like, w- like I love those sweeping shots, you know, of the car just slowly winding in the, all this beautiful mm-hmm. nature, which was filmed in multiple different places. Um, I think those opening shots, I think were filmed in like Montana or some shit like that. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, then the, the, the hotel itself, the overlook is just like, what a set, like what it? a place to create, man. It is because I don't know, you know, there's like infamous stories about that place actually being haunted. There's this, one story that always stood out for me where Jim Carrey went to stay for a night and in the middle of the night ran out screaming. So there's like, what? it's an actual haunted place. So it's just, it's just cool to me that, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's a great setting. It's yeah. And you know, there's so much that's like fascinating about this work because, you know, we talk about, we talked about, you know, King kind of, you know king and kubrick had a clash when they were going to cast uh apparently jack nicholson wasn't the first pick for this Mm -hmm. role 
um, mainly be, I mean, I think Kubrick was convinced on it, but there's other people that yeah. weren't. And it was mainly because of his previous work in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where people were like, I'm, I'm, they're going to assume that he's, he can be crazy. You know, but that then again, like, you know, you what's great about his performance in this is from the get go, Jack Nicholson brings this edge. And I think with, you know, the character would have been uh, the, the, the dive off the deep end would have been harder to convince with somebody totally. playing too straight laced. You know what I mean? And like, I completely so, agree. you know, I think it was a sharp performance. I think Shelly Duvall gave a fucking great performance. I think I cannot remember I think the it kid's was, name. It's, I think it was perfectly cast. I love Scatman Crothers. Like, oh God. Yeah, dude. He's, he's honestly probably the part that I, the character that I always remember the most, like, Yo. I, I can't think of the child actor's name either, but I will say that if, to me, the like The Shining, it only adds to the testament of its power of how it, still to this day, I mean, more so in the 90s and everything, but it's still being parodied. It's still being referenced, oh, yeah. especially, and I thought it was cool that, you know, um, Stephen King wrote a, a sequel to it, Dr. Sleep. They made the Dr. Sleep movie and Mike Flanagan, who directed that movie, kind of paid homage to not only Stephen King's original book, Stephen King's sequel, but also Jack Nicholson's, I mean, Jack Nicholson, Stanley Kubrick's Shining and had lore from all those to create the sequel so many years later that was equally as good of a movie. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's it, it will. I mean, like this movie, I literally looked it up for a class the other day. This movie is stored in the Library of Congress. You know, it's it it, it's going to go down like forever as as a, a, a pinnacle of filmmaking. And what was great at the time, I think, is that horror was like everybody was like, ramping up on horror and mm -hmm. to have a movie of this caliber get this popular and like to have these names attached to it i think only brought more credentials to the fucking genre at the time i completely agree yeah, so 100%. you know absolutely That's a good point. i feel like obviously um there's nothing we could really say about it that hasn't already been said but coming at it as like let's just say someone's listening to this has never seen it before there is still so many shots in that movie that are really creepy and really effective obviously the grady twins will have haunted people's nightmares forever oh, one yeah. of my favorite shots and that has also been parodied forever is the blood coming out of the fucking elevator which is still a great shot yeah it's just a fantastical beautiful haunting movie yeah um oh yeah dude it's you know in there's just so many like tense moments in the movie too like and i think the the sound like the the music and the soundtrack just really help emphasize that like as well so you know like like the scene where uh jack's like in the bathroom and he's like trying to clean himself up jack um and <laughs> and like the the fucking it's like i don't know he's like the 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 waiter guy in the bathroom but it's actually like the previous you know caretaker you know mm -hmm. you know and, and shit and you just get this like it's you know so eerie and you know when the kid's rolling around on his fucking you know big wheeler it's just so eerie and it, after enough time you get the vibe that like 
you know, this kid can turn a corner and like, you don't know what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen when you follow Shelly Duvall down the stairs this time, you know, like, totally. it, and so, you know, it, it just builds and builds and builds on itself. And, and you feel that as a viewer, like every time you watch it, which is fucking cool. <laughs> and also, even though we mentioned that, you know, um, they clashed or you know if the book has the different ending than the movie i will say that the the very 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 end always stuck with me because when i was younger i was just was like so puzzled by it but just the shot the very end shot of it going past all these framed pictures in the hotel Mm -hmm. and then you know the picture of that ballroom and there's jack you know it's just like holy shit it's like it's taken him at that like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's that's the wildest moment well not the wildest but that's one of those moments though in that movie where you're just like you think it's done and it just it's just like it leaves you with this big like what the fuck you know like, <laughs> like this place is like legit like taking souls man it's like trapped him in in forever in time in this in this ballroom you know oh, you know it's like uh, it's fucking wild man uh-huh. it's yeah and yeah if, if this is one of those like like you said like there's yeah, everybody's seen it everybody's talked about it but you know, if, if if you most certainly haven't, you got to. And, you know, for me, this was one of those movies that, like, got me more into Kubrick also, just as a director. Yeah. You know? and he, I just love how you look at some people's filmography and a lot of things are the same. Like, his filmography is all over the fucking place. From, <laughs> from this to Space Odyssey to the hyper-violent clockwork orange, like he just has one of the most um, interesting filmographies that you're going to find. But all of his movies are beautiful. He's one of those directors, like you said, that knows what he wants and isn't afraid to do whatever he has to do, whether people perceive him as a dick or uh, as a perfectionist or whatever the case may be. But his movies are fucking amazing. God Every damn right, man. God damn right. Uh, that 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 brings up a question: Would you would would you put Clockwork Orange in a horror category, or is that something else? I've always mm. kind of like had that question for myself, you know, because it's like a dystopian future. It's more I, of like a sci-fi to me, but it has absolutely some dark or element i mean it's a fucked up movie (laughs) yeah oh absolutely there's no negating that but i always thought that too man i just thought it was more i it to me it leaned more of like sci-fi than ever like full-on horror right you know but i remember back in the day the uh oh my god oh my god the bravo top 100 horror movies list it always was on there yeah and i was always like that's all that's one like you'd put in there um <laughs> not that it's a bad movie by any means and neither is the no. shine you goddamn no corn dogs uh <laughs> but yeah um so before we get too much further i just want to say uh so um to the listeners you know this is going to be i don't, i apologize part of it's most of it's my fault because of uh um a time obligation that I have coming up. But if you guys notice that this episode is like different or 
it's because we're going to film part of the episode right now and then we're going to have to film part of it later and put it splice it together so hopefully oh, yeah. it's not too noticeable or too awful but no they'll be fine uh, but i just so you know that's really the next like i feel like so for 1981 you have two movies picked that you want to talk about and then for 82 you have one and I have four because I don't have any movies <laughs> picked. So I don't know how you want to tackle this next, but I figured we could start with 1981 by doing some shout outs. We have um, an American Werewolf in London, which is oh, another, you know, it, those man. movies where even if you've never seen horror, you've heard about it and you know about it. Um, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond, which is a brutal, another brutal Italian movie. Um, is is and is the Beyond part of a series? It is. It's like okay. a Gates of Hell, the Gates of Hell trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a really right. weird. It's a weird, weird fucking movie. Uh, mm. And then I'll do some more shoutouts later. But another good 80, 1981 movie is called Dead and Buried, which I actually just saw for the first time recently. It's this really cool plot of this small seaside town, um, and uh, anytime like a tourist comes in, they the the town are like and it's unbeknownst to people but you kind of learn more of the mystery as the movie comes on but it's most of the people that inhabit the town were dead and then were reanimated uh, it's a really interesting movie oh wild yeah, yeah like that that's one like i'm glad it it sounds like it's better than than i would have wanted but I, I had looked at it and been like maybe that's one for the main the main type of pod and I, i'm glad we could do that one it'd be an interesting movie to talk about it actually yeah yeah we could do that one day oh we'll put it in the burner uh <laughs> yeah there's definitely like a a handful of this you know this the, the 1981 there's like scanners the Cronenberg fucking classic. You, you know, you've probably seen Michael Ironside's head explode, <laughs> <laughs> but you should watch the whole movie because it's a, it's, you know, a fucking, it's a, it's a fucking ride. Um, but then you also have uh, another one we talked about on the podcast, uh, on the podcast, mm -hmm. Evil Speak, which yep. I just want to bring up again because if you have not watched Evil Speak, you have to. It's such yeah. a fucking fun movie. Clint Howard is so great in it. It's do it, just fucking it do it. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yes, it's it's very entertaining. We also there's another The Howling, which we oh, yeah. talked about in length, but kind of like a happy disaster because it's not, you know, if you've listened to the episode, it's one of those ones where we were like, you know, this isn't necessarily a bad movie. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we stumbled but, uh, upon a decent, good movie in there. <laughs> but have you have you ever seen The Pit? I have not. It's a weird fucking movie, man. It's about this like weird kid that uh, talks to his stuffed bear, and he finds this like pit in this town that has these little weird troll-like monsters. <laughs> it's fucking. What? It's out there. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm into. We I'm also into the pit. <laughs> 81 there's also two good horror sequels so we have halloween 2 um which you know which i love i love halloween i love all the halloween movies but oh, halloween yeah. 2 you know the continuation of the first one um then we also have friday the 13th part 2 which is an interesting movie because as many people know the first one that like a you know when you think of friday the 13th you think of jason but he doesn't come around until the second one and we get the very creepy baghead jason 
bag. There's a lot of Jason. good. There's a lot of good fun. At Toby Hooper's Fun House was in 1981. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, House by the Cemetery, which is another fucking amazing Italian horror movie that I almost wanted to pick, but you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of hard picking. Like I feel like for every even breaking it down into multiple episodes, it's going to be hard. Well, yeah. Well, because, you know, it's nice to do shout outs and stuff because, like, it's hard. Like, you know, like one of the first ones you said, American Werewolf in London. It's one that I love, like, greatly. Like, it's one of my favorite horror movies. Um, Mm -hmm. It's one, it's definitely, it's definitely my favorite werewolf movie. Um, I'm, I hope somebody tops it someday. Uh, just saying that, but it's, but it's, you know, it's like, uh, it's hard because it's like, I also want to like, I want people, I don't know that this is coming from the guy who just picked the shining, I guess. Like I want, I, I don't want to focus on ones that like, I know I can talk, like I can like, you know, talk about all because they're usually like really already popular, I suppose. Right. But yeah, you know, like I said, I just talked about the fucking shining. So either way, uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, so I did want to dive into uh, a movie that another movie I suppose that you might be familiar with. I don't know if to, if you're familiar with the original, but you definitely should be. 1981's The Evil Dead. Uh, oh yeah, dude. This movie is a testament to like DIY, like get it done oh, fucking yeah. filmmaking, oh. you know? A hundred percent. Like get your friends, get like some family members, like fucking find a shack in the woods and like make a movie. <laughs> well, that's how it's totally because they, he, you know, they made um, Within the Woods, which was like a proof of concept. And that's how this movie, like you said, it's how this movie became the evil dead and became what it is today is just what you said yeah it's these people going out uh, it's crazy it's just crazy it is it's awesome it's amazing it's yeah it's one of my favorite aspects of this movie because this movie get is fucking gnarly it's batshit it's like oh totally and, and it spawns like uh, I mean, it spawns like a good reason to make more, like for other people to make more batshit fucking movies. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, it's like if this crew can fucking do it and make something like this, like go for it. Because there's, I mean, you know, this introduces you to Bruce, the ultimate Bruce Campbell character, Ash Williams. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> who I, I I I read that Bruce wasn't wasn't t- even like necessarily supposed to be like the original person to do that it was Hmm. like something like it didn't work out and they like bruce was always around and he was already a producer or something like that on the film so they're like all right you're in the role (laughs) it's interesting because it's obviously one of his most iconic roles and it's just crazy to me because i don't think when they went into this movie that they thought it was like it obviously created a, f- a series and it spawned a TV show and comics. Like, it's just crazy to me that they probably had no idea going in that this movie was going to reach the masses to the way it did. And people were going to have just oh, yeah. be obsessed with it. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause it's, it, you know, it, it's like, uh, it's a possession movie. It's like a haunting movie. That's just ramped up to fucking, not even 11. It's like ramped up to like 12, 13, you know, and, and oh, yeah. 
and you know even, like they did all sorts of stuff that would like trickle through the genre later on like they I, I can't remember the exact formula but they're like the way they did blood for this the way movie that, yeah, yeah was like was something that like would be replicated later on like you know it, the 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 shots of the like that they got with the camera like running through the woods oh, and stuff like yeah. that it's, it's, like it's oh man yeah it's iconic like, yeah like they basically jerry-rigged their own steady cam and like had like you know i, I think i read at one point it, you know even even Raimi was just like you know strapped to this thing just running with it you know and, like, and that's what the shots that's why the shots look so like so great that they do like i don't think it would have been as effective or as cool if they would have had a steady cam or something on rails it's like Mm-hmm. just everything everything about the way the movie was made is to its benefit absolutely and i mean like yeah just what a testament to like happy fucking accident filmmaking like it also it was- has one of my favorite and i feel like still to this day lasting scenes is the tree assault scene you know oh what I mean? god dude yeah that that shit's like it i mean it's it's a like cringy and weird and like it's gross <laughs> like the but it's you know it's it's like it's wild because it's just like i don't know it it starts how do i said there's just so many like gnarly moments in this movie and the def- mm-hmm. that's definitely one of them <laughs> like yeah there's yeah there are plenty how many like gallons of blood do you, did they move, do they use in this movie? Do you think? I wish I would have remembered to write that down because it's a lot. I think it is. It's one of them. I think it was. It held the record for most until as weird. I think it chapter two topped it in a, in terms of how many gallons of blood were used. Really? Yeah, like held the record for the longest time, which is that's crazy fucking wild, man. Because that's like you know that, that that's something. A couple of the movies so far, like we you know have been like extra bloody, but this one, like I think it mm-hmm. you, it really uses it to like it's a it's effect. You know it mm-hmm. it like it's just because like I said, like part of it is, I, you know I, I think you mentioned it earlier briefly, like the 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 way some of those shots are instead of with like a steady cam kind of with like that raw feel like it gives more realism mm-hmm. to the movie at times and so it, i think it, like it gives like the more extreme moments more credibility you know as, as a viewer because I, you're yeah. like you know you're not like f- fully ensconced in this wild world you just you know we're ju- you just felt like you were running through the woods <laughs> like you know <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just good, int- it's a good way to put it. It's just fucking interesting as hell. And like you know, like you mentioned, this uh, spawns a litany of other shit. You know, to the point where I've seen like crossovers with like Ash Williams and like other horror characters in yeah. There's a comics. Yeah, yeah. There's a comic series Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Have I never checked it out? Have you? I've read it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, it's like stuff like that, man. It's like, you, or you know. like it even spawned its own. There was a, a remake that came out a couple of years that was actually pretty good too. So, yeah, well, and because I think it was, I think it was successful because it it you know didn't shy away from the the gnarliness and like the bloodiness that you expect from the Evil Dead, you know. I'm just the one thing that that I will say that is. You know, Sam Raimi got to a point where he got super popular and he really hasn't done horror since. And I'm not saying that 
the new Doctor Strange movie is going to be full on horror, but I know it's going to have horror element. So I'm looking forward to that, to him getting back to his roots in a, in a sense. Absolutely, you know I mean? man. Absolutely. Like, I feel like, you know, Raimi, for whatever reason, like landed the Spider-Man role and got like really popular from it and rightly so. But I think mm -hmm. it was weird because it pulled him away from these roots of like, you know, this like DIY filmmaking kind of shit totally. in, into like major Hollywood. And I don't think that was ever, I don't, I can't speak for the cat, but it, does, it seems like he, you know, does well when he has like his vision and his control. And yeah, and, I, I guess, but, but yeah, the Dr. Strange movie, that's one of the most exciting things about that fucking movie is because Sam Raimi is at the helm. Like that last shot yeah. in the trailer where it zooms in on what's her fucking face. The oh, bloody eye. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's Raimi right there, dude. Totally. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. I don't now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this next movie you really could call my BV uh, might be <laughs> might might be confused with uh, the Black Velvet. It also it also kind of sounds like you're you might be saying that you have VD, which is not good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to sit down and uh, watch a little you know get a little BV in you with me? You know, <laughs> like this doesn't right. work. It don't work. But you know, steamrolling through like continuing through 81 mm -hmm. uh i we have to talk about my bloody valentine yeah you know what i mean like this i always thought this movie would be so much cheesier than it was no it's a i love it because just real quick before you jump into what you were going to say i think it's underrated it's got a unique setting um a cool premise a great looking killer and i love how the cast is just like everyday type of people it's not this young hot cast you know what i mean exactly it's like you know it's in a mining town it's it and the like everybody that that they portray are just like just fucking people that live in the small mining town workers at the mine you know like like you mm -hmm. said everyday kind of fucking people uh but the story is like what's crazy to one of the things that's like awesome to me is that in this in this small town it's like terrorized plagued by this like I don't know the single miner who they know is like just a human, mm. you know. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, like he issues warnings around Valentine's Day and shit, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, because they haven't they haven't had the uh, like a like the premise of the movie is that yeah. you know they haven't had this Valentine dance in twenty years, and then when they finally decide to, it's like he just instantly knows about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has like this sense. He's just like. <laughs> it begins <laughs> it's like it's so great but like but there are some like amazing kill shots in this fucking movie if you ask me man like it's it's and that's one of those like like burners so like uh you know i was i was reading about how um like uh, some of the movie got cut when it originally was released and lionsgate yeah. when they re-released it uh, in the 2000s, like, rest like, restored those or had those, you know, cuts included. Hmm. Um, and some of them were like some pretty cool fucking shots. Like, and you I see it in the movie, but yeah, there's one where like a guy gets the pickaxe like through the bottom of his throat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like stuff like that. But that, you know, like, there's some gnarly shit in this movie. Yeah. Like, in general, like the, uh, the lady in the dryer. 
Oh like, shit! Yeah, dude, like that, like that shit's fucking gnarly. Um, or the kill scene in the shot and like the uh, the showers in the yeah, mine. Yeah, it's just like I said, it's just such a unique setting. Um, yeah, really claustrophobic and just a creepy place. Like, I would never be like, hey, let's go. I, I get it. You live in a mine town; it's what you know. But I would, I would have never have once in my life been like, "Let's go party in a mine." Yeah, dude, <laughs> you know? no, not my, not my first thought. You know, especially with like that opening kill, where it's like uh-huh. the two miners, and then like one of them just like, you know, all of a sudden just starts stripping down to this beautiful fucking lady in lingerie underneath the mining gear or whatever, and he's just like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" And right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like this, like I said, like I feel like for some reason i always like i only just like really discovered this movie probably like within the last five years because i just ignored it thinking it was like a cheese ball fucking movie you know i was was like there's an emo band named after it i I bet it's not that great oh wow (laughs) there's also a remake that's not nowhere near as good which you know no it's a recurring theme but uh, yeah it's like that the remake could be like on our podcast on the regular roster of podcasts right you know what i mean like um but you know like the killer you know uh harry (laughs) he like or supposedly you know you get the twist the twist ending in this movie which i think is always fucking great you know where you find out it's definitely not the og killer it's you know uh, this new one, he loses his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Loses his arm, dude. The dude fucking hacks his arm. It's fucking <laughs> but anyway, I just think it's like like the killer, like you, you mentioned earlier, like the appearance is really fucking on point, you know, like, and it gives you that ominous, like, uh, I'd say it leans more towards uh, uh, Michael Myers at times, where it's like, you know, it's just, well, I guess they're all pretty, si- you know, completely silent, but he just feels like it's really like menacing, menacing yeah. force. But like, you know, with Jason at times, you, 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 you know, he's like meant to instill terror right away, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet, you know, I just think everything worked about this movie <laughs> in hindsight. And I regret not watching it earlier. That's for sure. You know, it's an, an interesting thing that I, mean, I mentioned the cast. So mm-hmm. um, the director, uh, George Mahalko wanted to make like throughout the years like I was reading this interesting article recently about all these different attempts to like make a sequel that just never happened oh, and, origi- really? and, and originally like they were excited with how the movie turned out and they wanted to make a sequel but they wanted the sequel to be about um, like the first idea was it they wanted it to be just kind of the cliche, a bunch of young hot teens get killed. Okay. And then there was another one where it was going to be, um, I'm forgetting the name of the characters, but it was like the main female character in the movie. It would be like all these years later and, oh, and, uh, like and she has, she has kids. Yeah. It'd be like a follow up essentially, but none, none, none of them ever got made. So we'll never know what would have happened. Yeah, that's kind of a shame because like it definitely if they would have kept on with like the same, you know, like gore like gore effects and kills and stuff like you know, they just kinda went for. Yeah. Like I feel like it definitely like I don't see why it wouldn't wouldn't have played, you know? Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, like overall, like I mean, just a solid fucking movie, like I said. Like I think 
you you know it's it's kind of cool that like the area that it's shot you know in the in that it's like in nova scotia or whatever it's you know it's, i just and, and oh <laughs> i had to mention i have to mention before we move on to another movie that um there's like that song at the end in the credits it's like a song about harry warden that was recorded for this movie and it's like <laughs> it's like this like i don't know like mix of like woody guthrie-esque guitar you know bob dylan kind of like acoustic guitar and like just this dude singing about harry warden <laughs> oh harry warden you know like it's like a it's like a fucking ballad that was recorded for this movie like <laughs> that's amazing i forgot about that i hope i wish it was online so like i wish it was like on i guess like, like how a you streaming can, service or something like how you can find the uh the fall break song on youtube exactly <laughs> oh my god dude hey <laughs> Every day is a good day for a fall break. <laughs> go, so go, going on a fall <laughs> break. <laughs> fall break, dude. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I never like, thought we'd have to relive that again. I don't think it's ever going to go away now. <laughs> but like I said, my bloody valentine it's a great movie especially obviously uh if you're looking to watch a horror movie with uh, somebody close near that holiday man mm-hmm. possibly one of the best slashers for it so you know we're gonna be go- segueing into 1982 here i have a i have four picks from this year you have one but, yes um, sir before i jump into my first pick i just want to i'm gonna do some more shout outs later but just Two quick shout outs. So 1982 gave us um, two kind of, well, one's definitely a cult classic. One, I would say, fell under the radar, but they're, they both start with a B. So we got uh, Basket Case, which oh. if you haven't seen is just a b- bizarre uh, outlandish movie about essentially this guy with a uh, his, his, he has a twin that was cut off of him at birth named Belial that lives in a basket and they go around to kill everyone that was involved in them <laughs> getting separated at birth. It's, and it's, that's not going to do the movie justice because it's, it's so ridiculous. Belial. <laughs> no, I also, that's on my, that's, that's on a, like, I recently was like adding more shit to my shutter list. And I was like, I was looking at that and I was like, I don't think I've ever actually watched basket case. I've only like heard about it. Right. So it's one I'm going to be watching real soon. Actually. It's, it's, it's special. And then another special one, which a lot of people might not have heard about that. I speaking of shutter watch probably like six or seven months ago, but it's, um, Another bizarre movie called Bloodbeat, which I feel like Ooh. we should do at some point about. Um, <laughs> it's just so bizarre. It's like this. These people are out at this in the woods. And it's like, well, not in the woods, but I, I forget the premise. I think it's like this, this, this brother and his sister go home to see their parents or something like that. And their parents live in this like house by the woods. And then it's this weird like uh, samurai suit that uh <laughs> it's just so weird immediately takes a curve there. <laughs> well because yeah okay from from what i remember when i read the the synopsis because it is something i want to watch it's uh it was like somebody gets like take like 
I don't know, taken over or something by this like samurai spirit that then like uh-huh. they go on like a potential killing spree or something. Yeah, there's like a samurai, there's shots of samurai swords and yeah, it's, it's oh my weird. god, dude, telepathic <laughs> links and stuff like that. Yeah, oh my god, dude, I've yeah. I've that that's one of those that like I think is another like it's gotten that you know I think you mentioned it, the cult following man it's and it's one that I've been like lingering with for a while like mm-hmm. it's just gotta commit to watching some of these movies you man should. I really gotta so the first one that I want to speak about in length from 1982 is in all through all all of these picks well the first the first three are movies that I've liked for a really long time. But one that's like a childhood favorite of mine and still a favorite of mine, probably one of my favorite anthology films ever made for a multitude of reasons, is uh, 1982's Creepshow. Um, Famously directed by uh, George A. Romero, written by Stephen King and and, uh, some of the best special effects by Tom Savini. So right out the jump, it's just this triple punch of uh of star power and from start to finish it's a fantastic fucking movie dude it absolutely like i have this i was gifted this really cool dvd box set with this like hard case cover that uh you know kind of it it just anyway it's this beautiful little box set that and it's it's like something that i cherish man the creep show is so fucking cool like for all for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned man like the having those three in there immediately draw draw you as a horror fan to this fucking project right like and and also this the fact that it's like an homage to ec comics and you know i'm a fan of mm -hmm. the vault of horror tales from the crypt and all those style type of comics from the 50s you know what i mean and 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 on yeah but yeah but every it's like I, I sorry, I was, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say, like you know, there's and the, there's you know, plenty of people besides those three, like on the cast, like throughout this, throughout the anthology, that like totally you, know, you, can, you can pick out and be like, oh, I know them, like I know you, I've seen you in this, like just horror staples and stuff like that. Totally. You know? like, like I mentioned earlier, there's um, uh, when we were talking about the fog, you know, uh, oh, yeah. Tom Atkins. Adrian Barbeau and Hal mm-hmm. Holbrook are all in it. Uh, Stephen King's son is is in it. He's the little kid in the wraparound segment. So is Tom Atkins. Uh, nice. Leslie Nielsen's in it. Ted Danson's in it. Like it is. It's just a bunch. And there's other people that I'm not mentioning that you know were na- were oh totally names like, of their own right. But the thing like about Hal, like Hal Holbrook was in there. Richard Gere had a part. Like it's fucking like really oh, like just a voice crazy. part. He has a voice part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like just like they just roped in all these people that were like shockingly you know relevant even stephen king had played a role in a, in a yeah in yeah a, he plays them yeah but and the anyway. cool so some okay, so as as a go as the case goes for anthologies you know this isn't always the case but for a lot of anthologies there will be like a couple really good ones and then a couple lackluster you know and, and then sometimes you'll get the case where there's ones that you just would skip over but and i feel like creep show 2 isn't you know there's only three segments in creep show 2 and and even though the raft is my favorite the other two are are like just all right but in the case of the first creep show every single um segment is really strong yeah you know from the jump we have father's day with uh 
a corpse coming back to life and viciously killing members of his family. And and then I love, I just love the end shot with where he walks out with the head on the cake. Like I remember as a kid that, that oh, that's fucked right. with me. I was like, that's so gnarly. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, we mentioned Stephen King's in it. He is in the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, which is based on a, a, a short story of Stephen King's called weeds where he gets taken over by a, this like organic plant-like monster that comes from or plant-like thing that comes from a, a meteor. It's yeah, really dude. Yeah, I, I like that one you, a lot. Lloyd Ward's like, you know, he goes up and like touches it and then like just slowly from his finger starts like this organism starts covering him and shit. And, you know, just the idea of like that, like what if, I don't know, like if something fell near me from the, from space or from the sky, I'd probably want to go check it out too. I don't I, know. You know, but shit like this has forever made me want to go. Like, maybe I should get, should get a stick. <laughs> you know, or also, don't touch it. Don't <laughs> I also like that segment because there's some good like 197, like it's probably like 1970s uh, WWF that he's watching on the TV, and you can tell it's like it. Yeah, it's it's you know I forget who the wrestlers were at the time, but it's like early days. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. It's just a cool segment. And then uh, something to tide you over is another, like Leslie Neil- Leslie Nielsen, you know, you don't really need to say much about him. He just plays this piece of shit, rich <laughs> asshole in yeah. this one. Ted Danson does a good job. And, you know, mm-hmm. essentially it's one of those like uh, stories where the person at the end gets their comeuppance in the way that he... Uh, killed the other two you know burying them up to their head in high tide they come back and i love the effects in this one where they come back from the water and they're just like these uh waterlogged seaweed covered zombies yeah just like yeah that's always you think it's you always think something like that's lurking in the tall seaweed man (laughs) and just just the shots of like leslie nielsen freaked out in his house with like the smoke coming in and I don't know. Dude. It's just a. It's a good. It's. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, of Cat's Eye. There's a. There's a really good one called The Ledge, um, on that one. That's based on a Stephen King short story. That's really good. But that's for another okay. day. But then the fourth, <laughs> the fourth segment, is my favorite segment. The crate. Um, oh yeah. And 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 there. The, it's a long story short. It's these two professors that work at a. Uh, at a college, one of them um, gets a call from a worker at the college, and they discover this crate from the from. And on the crate, it says uh, "Arctic Expedition, June nineteenth, eighteen thirty four. And long story short, they discover this really creepy. Um, I don't even know how you describe it. It's like a wolf like uh, type yeah. creature in it, but. Uh, What's really cool about this segment is that, you know, this is obviously, um, if, if they were to do this today, it would have been really shitty CGI, but the fact that Tom Savini created this whole, um, That's, yeah, with practical effects. And then another cool thing about it is that, um, this has been referenced as an Easter egg in a, in a bunch of movies. And then Jason goes to hell. There's a really quick shot near the end where they're in the house and, uh, and there's this pan shot that goes through the basement and it's kind of blink if you miss it but the crate is in the basement of the house it's like one of the really? weirdest easter eggs yeah that's super random that's so fucking cool though 
like yeah. I, I just think like yeah those like little weird like easter eggs like nobody asked for it but like it's such a cool fan moment you know mm-hmm. but and and then the last segment is a really is a really creepy one uh no pun intended because creepy's in the creeping's in the title but it's called the creeping up on you and essentially it's about this rich fucking germaphobe asshole who lives in a futuristic like apartment that by the end gets overrun by cockroaches and there's this lasting uh. shot at the end where they pop out of his mouth and his yeah. face and his stomach and it's brutal and it just looks amazing yeah dude like you cannot say enough about tom savini but like like stuff like stuff like this is just like it makes you appreciate his work so fucking much because like especially that cockroach like the cockroach scene it gets really like i don't know it just it gets under your skin you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) wow do you have a favorite uh segment or do you just enjoy the movie as a whole I mean, I like it as uh, like I, I like all of them for sure. Like it's hard, you know. Like, but I, I do think the last segment's probably my favorite. But okay. I also really like the lonesome. I, for some reason, I really enjoy the lonesome death of, of Jordy Barrel. Yeah. You know what I mean? uh, but what about you? Do you have a top out of that? Out of those? Probably the probably the crate. That one always stuck with me as a kid. The crate, it was the, yeah. Like when I was a kid, it was the one that frightened me the most. Um, but they're all inter- have they're all entertaining uh, in their own rights. Um, oh yeah but yeah i like i like the lonesome death because i just like how it's essentially it's essentially just uh stephen king's character you know he obviously he obviously has those couple scenes where he has a thought in his head where he goes to see like a professor to sell the meteorite or he sees his dad but for the most part it's just him and he does it he plays this like backwoods country bumpkin really well he holds it, yeah, dude. He, I, he holds it down, man. It's pretty fucking. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. It, and it like, is, for yeah. me, it was just like I remember it was like you know it's just like that's Stephen King. Like, and I feel know. like I feel like out of all the stories, you know, in that movie, that that's the one thing that has this like slim, slim chance of maybe actually possibly happening. Hmm. Not saying it will, but obviously, but, you're not gonna have your your dead dad come back from the grave to kill you. You're not going to have zombie uh, true, seaweed true. monsters. You're not going to have uh, a mon- I guess the cockroaches could happen too. But-, but no, I feel you, man. The the like the fucking alien organism. Yeah. Like you know that could be a very real thing. You don't know. It's frightening. It could be out there, man. Um, yeah. hell yeah, yeah. dude. Uh. You know, in thinking about like some other stuff, um, you know, like a couple, like a couple of shout-outs. I don't want to focus on it because we've talked about it before. But the thing, you know, came out nineteen eighty-two. Yeah, we didn't pick that. Uh, you know. Well, I don't. I mean, we've talked about it kind of at length in some other stuff a bit. I but. feel like it doesn't need to. I mean, I guess you could say that about some of the other movies we picked, but it's one of those like it's just it's just worth you know it just it came out in 1982 you know we don't we don't really you know like it's it's obviously got some great stuff it's another john carpenter fucking banger you know but um you know the you you got like i mean 82 was a pretty solid year you know what i mean yeah the Uh, thing though is is if it's one of those movies that for some like if someone's listening and for some weird reason they still haven't seen and i'm not talking about like the the like remake 
or it was a, I guess it was technically a prequel that came out like however oh, many yeah. years ago. Like we're talking about the the Carpenter classic, and there's also we're not talking about the '50s or one, the original one. But if you haven't seen John Carpenter's The Thing, go <laughs> see it because it is it is a beautiful, well, it's beautifully it, disturbing movie. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, fucks with your sense of like who you can trust. And then it also gives you some of the most gnarly, amazing, like crazy alien morphing, like bizarre shit, dude. Like, I mean, that one of the most iconic scenes in that movie, the, you know, the dude doing the Dan, autopsy oh and then like the ch- chest just opens up and becomes like a mouth with fucking teeth and just bites this dude's arms off. off yeah. Like, Oh my god, dude. That's one of my favorite scenes, like in any movie. It's, it's so, so gnarly. Fucking awesome. And Kurt Russell is such a fucking badass in that movie, dude. I gotta be honest. You know, so anyway, yeah, like you said, David, like if any if you know, if you haven't seen it, don't waste any more time uh without having watched it. You know, get get it on your queue and get it fucking in, in your fucking eyeballs because it's a fucking good one. Um, yeah, and then obviously in '82, you know, we just talked about it recently, actually. But Pieces came out in 1982. Yeah, we just did a full, full episode on that. So did the first Slumber Party Massacre, which is an inter- which is an entertaining movie with the good killer. You know, this the second one is just so bizarre and outlandish, but the first one is more grounded. Um, okay, and is is a really entertaining movie. Hell yeah. Um, but speaking yeah. of sequels, um, oh. <laughs> The next movie I want to talk about, um, and you know, we mentioned earlier that in 1980, the first Friday the 13th came out, um, and then in 1981, yeah, the but... second one came out, because they kind of just like blast, they they made so many of these movies in the 80s, it's absurd, but uh, 1982, Friday the 13th Part 3 came out, um, and just like the second one in the, in the series, it was directed by Steve Miner. Uh, yeah. who went on to direct Halloween H2O. So I believe, I believe, I could be wrong, hmm? but I think hmm? he might be, if not the only, he's the first person that directed a Friday the 13th and a Halloween movie, which is pretty... Oh, that's pretty fucking cool, actually. He also directed, like, Placid, if, if that has anything. Oh. You know. <laughs> but that was like... That was, that was like... <laughs> we might have to do that movie for the podcast. <laughs> that's, that'd be a good one, yeah. That was like later in his career, but you know, <laughs> the thing about Friday the Thirteenth is, and I've, I've I've mentioned this before when I was a kid, but I it, it it took me until I was older to not only a seek out and watch the movies as they were intended to be watched because when you watch them on TV, there's a lot of stuff edited out. Yeah, yeah. But it also took me a long time to watch the movies in the right chronological order. But I feel yeah. like part of the reason why three is one of my favorites is just that nostalgia reason of when I was a kid, it was that was the one that I saw the most on TV and just remembered. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. You know, there's some interesting, there's the characters like Shelly, who's this, you know, horror fan that loves to pull pranks on people with these effects that he makes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um he was just an interesting that character. Prank. There's, there's, there's Rick, who's the douchebag that has one of the cool, like, because the movie, one of the things of the movie was it was a 3D movie. There's Rick, the douchebag, who has one of the best kills in the movie, where his eye just gets popped out, fucking 3D style. Oh, that's fucking right. You know, there's just some good characters, uh, and then, 
and there's also you know uh chris higgins who's like the the final girl in the movie um but from like a um from like a uh what's the word i'm looking for um from like an icon standpoint this is a movie this is a movie and it's like halfway through it where he gets the fucking hockey mask where i don't know if they knew when they were doing this if it would if they had any idea how massive how big of a juggernaut of an icon they were creating when they slapped that fucking hockey mask dude you know what i mean i guarantee you there is no way of knowing but the fact that they can look back and like see how far Jason has traveled mm-hmm. has got to feel so fucking cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you're talking about, there, there's got to be thousands of people that have Jason tattoos. You know what I mean? There's got to mm-hmm. be, you know, there's, there's diehard, like specific, you know, fan bases for this character this character's been in mortal combat movies this character's crossed over with other horror yeah excuse me excuse me Uh, that in a movie that'd be fucking nuts (laughs) but uh, but, you know this this character's crossed over with other horror icons and and you know like it's like jason is on the fucking pillar of like top horror movie characters of all time you know what i mean like if there's a, if there's some sort of ladder i guess established like jason is right near the fucking top if you totally ask and that's why it's a shame that regardless if it was a good or a bad movie it's been way too long since there's been a fucking um friday the 13th movie i think obviously the yeah. last time was uh the remake i forget when that came out maybe 2009 um it, yeah it was a bit a little bit ago it's been a while and it's because I didn't mean to cut you off from what you were saying, no, you but it, but we can jump back to what to what you were saying. But it's just a shame that you know there's been Halloween movies, there's been Chucky related movies. They just came out with another lackluster Texas Chainsaw movie. So even if it was a oh, shitty yeah. movie, I just want to see another fucking Jason movie, and it's been way too long. Yeah, dude, it, it is nuts. That, like no, like he's you know. Texas Chainsaw just got it just got dropped off. Was it? Is it a Netflix movie? Yeah, or, and and so which why is interesting. The fuck did somebody pick up that property, the Leatherface property, before Jason? You know what I mean? Like it's it's because it's because the Jason has like been mired in this legal battle for a while, and I think it might have just been like sort of figured out. Uh, but this, interesting. But well, yeah, that, maybe we'll, maybe been, we'll see something then. Hopefully, but there's just been so many like. I feel like Texas Chainsaw is one of those ones that's had so many different attempts at trying to reboot the franchise and they've just uh, never worked. Yeah. And this is another, unfortunately, it's a failed attempt. Like there's some good gore, there's some good kills in the movie, but mm. it's just, it, it's just, you'll watch it and you're just like, mm, okay. It's like, like, it didn't do anything new. You know what they need to fucking look at for that is like, they need to stop trying to, as you as you were just saying, like sort of redo or relaunch the series with its like origin story, backwoods fuckers like kill you know people that roll through town, and they need to like refocus you know, like on other aspects of that fucking shit, you know like like what the craziness unfolded in you know uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Like build off of <laughs> that kind of shit, relaunch from there, idea. and I would definitely be interested. You know what I mean? But yeah. anyway, anyway, I feel we like we're getting too far off topic. Yeah, we're getting yeah. in the weeds there. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah dude like you're you're right like there's you know in terms of like this movie you know it like it has it has some cool some cool moments and everything but i do think that the most definitive thing that came out of it is the is the hockey mask you know and and, and also and, when he the, the first kill that he has in the hockey mask is fucking epic too where he walks out um it's the spear gun in the eye kill oh, and it's so amazing yeah. dude it's so brutal oh. it's beautiful looking cuz you can tell that the way that they filmed it uh is they had they had they had the camera and they had something on a wire coming towards the camera, but it's just a beautiful shot. Yeah, um, dude. And just it's so iconic. Like I don't know, it's just crazy to me because um, the bag head was creepy. And I know there's some people that that, and this is a valid argument that the bag head is creepier than the than the than the uh, than the hockey mask. But I think that if they would have just stuck with the bag head, that it wouldn't have been as epic and iconic as it was today well i i I, sorry i i think that like you're like you know if you stuck with the bag head it it sure gives like a certain creepy factor but the hockey mask gave you know a face to the uh, like the unstoppable force and that's what made it even more sin- made him even more imposing and sinister if you fucking ask mm-hmm. me because then it was like you know it, you 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 see you know the human figure in there that's you know and even though you know jason jason seems to become far more uh but i don't know it's just like i think yeah i i i i see that that you know like the og baghead or whatever like but the hockey mask is supreme you know to the point where like you you people associate the hockey mask probably more with jason than they do with hockey you know what I mean? like, yeah yeah it's kind of like you know what that reminds me of there's a like the jay-z uh for like years of his career always wore a yankees hat and there's this line in one of his mm. one of his songs where he says uh i made the yankee hat more famous than a yankee can and it just made me think of that because yeah you totally you true, think about man. a hockey mask you're gonna think about fucking jason like absolutely I'm sorry man. but that's just the way it is yeah dude deal with it or get a fucking but, uh, uh, get impaled to the eye. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, JK. Brutally, JK. We won't do that. But Jason, but I, <laughs> I feel like jumping. I feel like jumping from one, um, one of like you said, the pillars of horror mm. to another. And ironically enough, uh, Michael Myers isn't in this movie, save for a very quick scene where one of the characters is watching the TV at a bar, but. <laughs> And this might be, I know like I said this before. Yeah, it's very <laughs> uh, I, I might, you know, catch some heat for this. You know, it's a very hot take, but Halloween 3 season of The Witch is Ooh. by far one of my favorite uh, movies of the Halloween franchise for many reasons. Yo, um, man. You know, I'm going to say this real quick. I want you to talk about this a little bit more, but I I recently rewatched it after give after one of our last conversations about it okay and like legit dude like like looking at it from a different perspective i was like fuck dude i can under i can understand this movie a little bit more you know what i mean like i kind of dug it like i i took it out of the context of like you know halloween and i uh you know anyway it was i I was far more it's it's a cool movie if i can say so (laughs) yeah i feel like 
and I and I think I said this before. I feel like the movie would have had um, a lot more success, perhaps, if it would have been its own standalone movie instead of being by name attached to uh, the Halloween franchise. Yeah, but that will remain to be seen. Because um, I think, I, and I, I I apologize if I've said this before as well but uh, the, the story behind this movie being made was interesting because after and I know I've told this story before but I'm going to tell it again just in case <laughs> no one has ever heard it uh, so after they made Halloween 2 um, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wanted to step away from the character of uh, Michael Myers and they wanted to continue making Halloween movies, but have each one be uh, something different related to the Halloween season. And that's how this movie ended up getting made. Um, Yeah, which is a really cool idea, man. And uh, and that's kind of like I was saying, like that's sort of how I looked at it this last time because, and that helped me like enjoy it more, I think. Yeah, because it's one of those movies where it has it's fan base and it has its detractors. And like I said, I feel like I'll only say it one more time and then I'll get past that point. But I just think that it would be looked at differently if it wasn't a Halloween movie. But um, yeah, I just think that uh, everything about it is it's it's um, really creative. It's really unique. It's a new story like uh, that just nothing like it has really come along since in the sense of like um, this creepy, you know, Colonel Cochran's this old man that lives in this small little town called Santa Mira where everyone that lives there just loves the guy. But, you know, he has this vague background where no one really knows very much about him the, yeah. to the creepy mask, which we learn have pieces of Stonehenge in them and they're going to, uh, kill all the kids that wear them and have bugs and shit crawl out of their heads to <laughs> the uh, really super strong um, guys in suits that we learn are androids. And I love that scene where they just fucking rip that, the, rip the vagrant's head off. Dude. There's just some great, great, great shots in this movie. Some awesome cinematography. Some good... Tom Atkins is fucking gold as Hell Dan yeah. Chalice in this movie. It's one of my favorite roles that he ever played. Dude, it's so not true, only, Yeah. And not only that, but it has, and it's something that for years, like, like years and years ago when I was still on Twitter, like heavily, like every time Halloween had rolled around, you know, the, the Silver Shamrock song would always get stuck in my head. Eight more days till Halloween, Halloween. Yeah. It's just Halloween. <laughs> I just love this movie, bro. I think I just. Nah, I a, think, you know, I think you're making a good case for it, man. And I think people need to like, I think people need to listen to this and like, and reevaluate their fucking opinion on that movie. Like legitimately listen to the, listen to David, you motherfuckers. Like he, like take it out of the context of Michael Myers, put it in the context of like this overall Halloween season theme. And, mm-hmm. and then just enjoy the fucking craziness that unfolds in this movie. Totally. You know totally. what I mean? Cause they're, 
is craziness that unfolds. Yeah, like like we're talking about like like you just said like like we're talking about like pagan magic mixed with fucking androids mixed you know mixed with fucking like, great deaths like dude great deaths memorable settings yeah it's it's legit like i think you and just need to take it out of that i think people just have it too weirdly lined up with halloween michael Myers. And also halloween. i will say this watching um the most recent uh, halloween kills Oh, I yeah. think that they've I think that they finally come around to like appreciating this movie because if you remember, there's a scene in Halloween Kills where they come across um, they come across these bodies that were on a uh, on a merry-go-round, and they're wearing the fucking masks from this yeah. movie. Yeah. So I was like, I thought that I, I thought that was a really cool nod and everything, and I was like, and. But that's a good point. Like they probably, it kind of shows that the franchise is just sort of like embracing it all, you know. I think that's pretty I dope. Just, from the first time I watched that movie, because I, because I will admit, when I was a child and I first watched that movie, I was like, "Where the fuck is Michael Myers at?" <laughs> but as you, you get older and enjoy it for what it is, it's a, it's, it's an entertaining movie. Fuck yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's, a, it's a fucking solid one. But I think, I think, like you said, everyone should. If you are a fan of the movie, then I give you props. If for some reason you felt a disconnect to it, just go rewatch it under a different lens. You know, like you said, don't look at it as a Halloween movie. Look at it as a Halloween movie. <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna do two quick more shout outs before, or another shout out before your movie, and then I'm gonna. So House on, another movie that's sort of like a slumber party massacre type movie was House on Sorority Row. Oh, yeah. Which I know there, throughout the years, you know, Black Christmas was about sorority sisters. I just feel like that's a really good setting for a, a movie. And there's other movies like that. There's a movie called Pledge Night that came out in 1990 that's about sororities and fraternities. It's just a really cool setting. I agree. It's like, you know, it's... You know, it's it's uh, any sort of setting where it's like terror is the opposite thing of, that you associate with it. So right, it's a good way to look at it. But yeah, yeah. it is, it is another. It's a solid. It's a solid slasher. You know, um, yeah. There's it's like even like even like Scream Two. You know, there's like on a, they're on a college campus and there's sororities and it kind of makes reminded me of that. Like it's just a good setting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what other what other movies have we set aside for 1982? I got one. We each have one more. So. You want me to go? Yeah, I feel like you should jump into yours. All right, I'll do because a couple shout outs to mine, and then because this is, I mean, I would say like the next movie is uh, it was it was a big movie. Um, oh, it's totally. 1982's Poltergeist. Poltergeist, like. You know, you have names attached to it. Uh, obviously, Toby Hooper. Fucking shout outs as always. Steven Spielberg. Steven yeah. Spielberg. You know, you have <laughs> big man Craig T. Nelson in, oh, a, man. in yeah. a hell of a role. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's just in general, just like you got, you know, so many things from this movie. You got, you know, like creepy magic shit. You got creepy kid shit you got you know you got a really like a really 
uh, relatable family in a way. Like these people don't yeah. seem like terrible folks. So you're just sort of like, Not at all. damn dude, like this shit's just fucking happening to him, you know? But overall, like, I think the reason I, I think the reason why Spielberg wasn't directly attached to this project, right. was because he was working on ET at the time. Right. But and, and that's why, like, there's some weird, like, issues with that. I don't know if that's where you're going with it, but... Yeah, there's, like, all these people that, like, fully believe that it was directed by... Um, and there's also, like, mixed stories from people on the cast that claim yeah. that, you know, Hooper directed it. Some people claim that Spielberg actually directed them. They went back on those thoughts. So it's just, it's just, unfortunately for Hooper, even though he's dead now... That he had to like deal with that throughout his career, because it kind of yeah. kind of detracted from, you know, from him in a way. I, I agree. I think, you know, in theory, seeing both of their names attached to the same project would really bolster Hooper's career. But I totally. think the like the weird issues um, that came up like were were something that you know, like you just said, like kind of ended up like not really getting him to that full-on next level like mm -hmm. you know where like spielberg's like the guy you don't fuck fuck with in hollywood at this point and uh not that he was you know they just seemed like there, a lot of the controversy was like that you know to, like hooper was was set as a director mm -hmm. but spielberg kept like jumping in like i read that you know like, a lot of yeah, times there's like ideas, stories yeah. about like you know they would have lunch meetings in like the general like studio cafeteria and then if hooper didn't like have a firm idea on it like spielberg would be like do this and right. you know and i yeah did he direct the movie though fuck i don't think so man like that's the thing like you know like and i think there was actually like a fine that was eventually like attached to this whole argument from like the director's guild or whatever the fuck like where it was like spielberg or the, the studio had to pay hooper like a certain amount of money because of the basically like the defamation to his directing career that came from like people spreading these rumors about spielberg directing this movie hmm. you know and and like spielberg needed the fucking credit at this point anyway exactly. <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean but either way this movie is is fucking like it's a cool it's a movie. classic it's, it's a classic it is and you know like you can see some like bigger like like influence bigger studio influence in this which is like of a course. huge step up from where you you know toby hooper kind of like his his works got started you know with the uh, texas chainsaw yeah, massacre and and you mentioned the fun has, house well yeah like because the texas chainsaw massacre just totally has this feel of and that's because that's the case of just this young person with not a lot of money that made a movie that turned out great. Where, like you said, with, when it comes to Poltergeist, like you can tell there's a bigger budget. There's more. Um, he had more at his disposal to make this movie. Absolutely. So, totally. And and look, and he knocked it out of the fucking park uh, because, like this, <laughs> there's so there's a lot of fun elements to this movie. Like, but like you know, one of the some of the standout things, obviously, like you get a really creepy clown. Oh fuck! That like that... forever makes you afraid of one clowns and two un being under your or looking under your bed. That <laughs> fucked with a lot of people for a long time. It did, man. It did. Arguably. You know, that was like, you know, if Spielberg scared everybody out of the water with Jaws and the, mm -hmm. the shark, like, 
Hooper scared everybody, all the all kids from looking under their bed and clowns. <laughs> there's also a good tree attack scene. Yeah. Uh, there's the infamous like scene with uh, where she's in the pool full of skeletons, and they there were like real skeletons that they used to film that. Yeah. So yeah. Which is fucking crazy, dude. Uh, like that would be so weird. And then there's you know Zelda Rubenstein's iconic performance as. Uh, as Tangent, you know, she comes in to... The clairvoyant. Yeah, it's just... Oh, she's amazing. Dude, her style in this movie is so <laughs> fucking on, dude. She, like... It's, like, such a cool character. Like, mm. but... Uh, ultimately, you know, I, I mean, it is centered around, like, a general storyline of a house being uh, developed on a on an, uh, an old burial plot of sorts, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where spirits have come back to uh, enact, uh, I don't know, not revenge. necessarily, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, reve- re- it's like not necessarily, re- like, it's like, it's like whoever would live there. It's not the specific family. It's basically like, right. because they're the family in the house. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I mean, cause there's sequels to this movie. There's yeah. two sequels. Yeah, there are. And, uh, I've never, I've, I don't think I've watched either of them in length, which I feel like I need to go do because they do follow like the family. Yeah, that's, um, I guess, what the only thing that I'm intrigued by is like. Another sad thing about this movie is that uh, Heather O'Rourke that plays Carol Ann, she ends up mm. dying a couple years later when she was, she was like 11 or something like that. Oh. So yeah, it's like one of those movies that has, sad. you know, not necessarily a curse movie, but it has those kind of. Uh, ties to it yeah it has some weighty connotations with it i think that when you when people um but i think poltergeist is definitely up there uh in the pantheon of like really great um horror movies that people will talk about at length it's also another one that because of how good it was spawned a really shitty fucking remake with awful cgi just once more proving that special that Practical yeah. effects are above and beyond. Absolutely, way better than CGI. It's just uh, you know, it's. I never it's, so I've never really asked you this question. You've asked me this sometimes when we've been talking about movies. Like, what is it about this movie that, uh, like, really, uh, really hits it home for you? You know, I think it's mostly it's the idea that like. You know, you you're in your comfortable space, right? Like you're in your uh, your home. You, you know, you're with the loved ones or whatever, and you're just you know you think you have that control. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about this movie is, in in a very like bombastic way, I think it it shakes you out of that where it's like you may think one thing about your controlled situation. But as soon as you step like a degree outside of it, as soon as you step outside, the world becomes a bigger place and you realize like this, you know, home, this like security is uh, perhaps, you know, like in this case, Mm. it's on a fucking, you know, burial ground where you've like intruded and now you're, you know, fucking being haunted, you know, or one, you know, anyway, it's like, I don't know. I just, I like the, uh, the, the sort of like big, it reminds me of like a sci-fi movie 
how they handled all like the magical spiritual elements of this like and how they totally. portray them in these like you know bright bombastic ways at times that like i keep i can't say that word again don't let me say the word bombastic <laughs> again on this podcast <laughs> but i also really just like like the i don't know like like i said i think it just it sort of spawns for me it, like it it's like all these kind of things as well as like the fact that it's in that way like it's it's something that spawned a litany of uh, like, like subpar versions of this movie totally, but it, it became totally. it created a, a firm trope you know what i mean mm-hmm. for horror I which I think is, is pretty fucking cool um, well, you know, and then but i also we, oh sorry continue i just I, I also think it's like it's a movie to defend because as popular as it did get like you know like it was it, it like was up for an academy award that year and it lost to spielberg's et you know what i mean and i th- and i think you know it it's an it's a testament to like how far horror can like how like high in the hollywood uh big studio echelon horror was able to climb you know what i mean a good point um at that point in time Especially from someone that directed something like the fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's what I mean, dude. I think that's. I I really remember the first time that I made that connection too, where I was like, where I was like, wait, Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper. Where do I know that name from? And then I'm like, oh my god, Toby Hooper did Poltergeist and you know, like, like da 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 da. -da." I was like, what the fuck? His his filmography is pretty interesting, you know. God, Life Life Force, Force though. it's just like it's not like some directors kind of have the same feel where it's just like a lot of his movies were so scattershot around different parts of the genre so it's just cool yeah he's iconic he you know yeah uh and also and also i forgot to say it's one of those movies too that kind of in the way like uh terminator you know i'll be back was famous forever Poltergeist oh, has yeah. one, of the, one of the greatest creepy lines in horror. They're here. Like, yes. it's just so They're fun. here. You know, then the, the sequel is there back. But yeah, they're here is just a great, a yeah. great, great horror one liner. It's 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 so legit, and uh, you know, bouncing off of one of the things I said, I just wanted to know that, like, you know, just looking at the fact there, it's it would it be it, this movie was the like the eighth highest grossing movie of 1982, just hmm. in general, not not horror, but like in general, just in general. Huh. And I think that's like a again like a pretty cool fucking like people embraced this movie, you know what I mean? Like I think it was it's it wasn't as like it wasn't like a polarizing like specific type of fans like slasher fans will like this one you know yeah it's like everybody but either way so I, I just want to do a couple shout outs and i want to do a couple from every year because there's some that i missed so 1980 there was a movie co- directed by david hess called to all a good night and it's a really shitty movie about a, a killer in a santa claus uh outfit Ooh. that's all i'm going to say about it we might have to um, save that one for next holiday season. <laughs> 1981's The Burning, which is, you know, a movie set at uh, a summer camp around this killer named Cropsey, which was loosely based on, like, the, the uh, urban legend of Cropsey, but this guy that oh. uh, gets, he's a, uh, he works at the at this summer camp and he gets severely burned and disfigured by this prank gone wrong and comes back then, like, later to 
kill all these unsuspecting kids. It's got some great kills, some great oh, shit. once once more it has some Savini effects. If you haven't seen The Burning, go see it. Um, there's also this movie in 1981 that's I think it might be on Shutter. It's really fucking weird. It's called Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Oh, has, I was, yeah, yeah. It has some weird, like, uh, kind of like uh, incense, incest, like vibes to it. Yeah, that's what I was like. I was like watching. I was looking at it, and I was like, I want to. I was. I was gonna suggest it for us to do as a as a movie, but I haven't watched it yet. And so I was like, it could be like, I can't tell if it's a good movie or if it's like just like you know too cringy. Well, go <laughs> it watch like, it. Yeah, let me, let me know what you think. It, but but would you would you say like I mean having I watched it, 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 I think it'd make an interesting episode. Yeah, it's a pretty cool movie. It's a pretty interesting movie overall, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then a couple last couple shout outs. These are all 1982 movies. So we have The Prowler, um, which uh, is like this. Um, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe what he's wearing, but it's like old military clothes. And he comes back all these years later and just dispatches people in great ways. Um, there's Madman, which is another movie that's like these people that are out camping in the woods, they recant this old song. And Madman Mars, this old creepy like backwoods guy, comes back with a hatchet and kills everybody. It's it's really entertaining. Dude, backwoods um, killers. Yeah, they're great. Ugh. And then the uh, last shout out is 1982's The New York Ripper, which is a Lucio Fulci movie, really bizarre one about this killer that taunts his his victims using a um, a. Uh, Daffy Duck voice. It's really weird. It's really weird. But it's a good movie. Yeah, it's so weird, bro. It's just like, I feel like the movie would have been better if it wasn't for that aspect, but that aspect makes it an interesting movie. <laughs> it's really fucking random. It's just weird. I, I can't do the voice, so I'm glad that you just like did a little. Uh, do that again. <laughs> uh, let's see what else I can say. <laughs> Dude, this voice is bugging Bowie out. He's like, what the fuck are you doing, Papa? I just think in the lexicon of voice acting, like, that's just such a great voice. Like, I wonder why they thought of that. You know who could do it super fucking well? Bowie. Who? Jim Vines. Troy's dad. I can picture that. He, like, he could actually, like, he could say all sorts of shit. Like, I can't barely say anything. Like, I could, and, but he could, like, almost enunciate words in that kind of, like, voice. I was like, dude, how, like, yeah. Shout out to Jim Vines, man. He, he was true fucking hero. Dude, he would let all of, like, nine, ten kids, shithead kids, come to his house every day, eat them at a fucking house and home. Still be cool. I remember the time he like bought us all pizza one one time. Like he was just the coolest guy. I haven't yeah. talked to him in a while, but there was a while there, like when I had first moved to Spokane, where every now and then like he would message me on Facebook. That's he's just cool. the coolest guy. I really think if we, you know, for the next friend reunion, this is complete in the weeds. We need to try and invite Jim to come to yeah. come for like the barbecue part at least, if you want. Yeah. You know? That'd like be amazing. because that dude took care of so many of us growing up like just yeah. in, like you said oh we cannot go on enough about it but either way we're in, we're too far in the weeds shout yeah. out to jv though yeah he's <laughs> uh, a great man so but, oh man the new york gonna, ripper that'll have to be one i check yeah. out though because i like oh shit it's, i gotta i gotta hear it. that voice you'll enjoy it um 
so the last movie that we're going to talk about uh, for this episode, and then obviously, just to reiterate, the next episode is going to be 83, 84, and 85, and mm-hmm. then um, episode 42 is going to be uh, 86, 87, 88, and 89. You know, and then oh, yeah. some point down the line, you know, we'll obviously talk about 90s horror movies. But it, either way, I, I'm, I'm getting off topic oh, yeah. again. I want, oh, yeah. Another, another Argento movie, um, 1982's Tenenbrae, which, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to pick a favorite. I, I'm not even going to be able to pick a favorite. I think all of his movies are have their own, are good in their own right. But Tenenbrae definitely is like in that upper crust of fantastic Argento movies. It has one of my favorite fucking soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, easily. I wish I could, like, I'm not one of those people that can sit here and like hum a song for you, but it just, it's like, I'm going to try because it's, it's not going to do it justice, but it's just like one of the best songs. The it's made by members of like Goblin was like disbanded at this point, but I'm pretty sure they got back together. But it was like three members of Goblin that made the soundtrack and it's beautiful. Uh, Dario Nicolodi, who at one point was married to him, but always was a filmmaker and a screenwriter. She's an actress in this movie once again. Uh, John Saxon has a small role. And then uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Friends, I'm not even going to pronounce this right. Anthony Franciosa, who plays Peter Neal. Just, oh god jesus dude i'm so sorry what the what? fuck is happening oh sorry something popped up on my thing i didn't mean no. to kill, kill your kill your vibe you're good but it's just like to to that it's a beautiful everything about this movie from the cinematography like i'll talk about some of the beautiful kills but tenenbrae is a top-notch fucking argento movie yeah um you know knowing that uh you were gonna you know mentioned this movie i went back and rewatched it for the first time in a few years and like i forgot like how like i was watching it and then like nadine came home from work and just like kind of sat down and then she got wrapped up into it and then like Mm. you know it it's it's one of those movies like it just it, it wraps you up and then by the time you get to like the to the end you're just sort of like you 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 think you have a loose grasp on what's happening and then like you you know you find out if you do we'll say um, yeah it takes, a, it takes a couple of viewings because yeah you know it's cool it's and it's it's like you said dude it's got it drips argento style it, it you know the music is fucking on like it's uh, yeah dude it's, it's, it's one of those one. movies where there's like and there's a sh- there's a shot like in the middle of the movie that's real quick where the music is different where it alludes to this is the part of the movie where um where the original killing spree ends uh where bert cristiano birdie the tv interviewers killing spree ends and then now peter neal begins and it is one of those movies where it took me like one or two times like two times of watching it to fully realize what was going on here um yeah but once you do it's just like i said it's there's uh, some great kills. One of the best that stands out in my mind is Jane, who was like, uh, it's established that she was a previous love interest of his, and now she's dating his, like, uh, uh, one of the guys that works for him. It's like his publisher, I believe. 
uh, at one point, the publisher gets killed in broad daylight, which is a great like Hitchcockian type of reference. But Jane gets yeah. this great kill where through a window, she gets her fucking part of her arm hacked off. She leans against this wall and all this blood spray just blasts all over this wall. And it's just fucking beautiful. Yeah. Uh, because that, I mean, that, you know, it's it's never one thing with Argento, but one of the things I ultimately always love about some of his work is just that like bright red visual blood that he would he would use you know totally there's also the crazy final sequence where uh you think peter neal um commits suicide by slicing himself with a razor but then you learn you learn that it was like this uh you learn it was fake and um it's this razor where you press a button and blood squirts out uh, it's beautiful, and then he—the way he dies at the very end, getting killed by a fucking uh, piece of architecture—is yeah. Like, I just love this movie, dude. It, I'm, it's just so fucking cool because you don't, you you know, you, you don't know if he's gonna die at that point. You don't know how he's gonna die if he if you will. And then like, just you know, as like that moment where you, you see that like piece of architecture just comes swinging his way and just impales him. You're just like, what? Oh my God. Like this is how it's ending. <laughs> like, So coming from someone with fresh eyes, how you mentioned you just rewatched it. What are some things that you really, that, you know, be, you know, we talked about obviously the cinematography, the music, like what are some things that just really did it for you? Well, it's, you know, it's a lot of that. Like, I think that some of the, some of the kills are really, were really cool. Cause they had like the blood splatter that I, I, I love. Um, but I really like, like, I was just so blown away that by the end of this movie, I still was like, like the twist still got me. Like mm-hmm. I, I was like, dude, he's fucking like when I saw him slice his throat, I was like, he's fucking dead then. Okay. This is about to wrap up. And then like the whole sequence of events right after that, I was just like, shit, dude. Like, and this, it just, I say it so many yeah. times, but like, that's the thing I love so much about some horror movies is that like, they give you that last fucking jolt, you know, where you're just like, you think you have it wrapped up and then like, nope, the guy's still coming at you or whatever, well, you know? And it's just like that. It was, I don't know. I just, I loved it. Like, it is so great. Cause like you said, that happens. You think that he's going to fucking get away with this. And then mm-hmm. no, he meets like such a great fucking demise. Yeah. And then the scream that uh the scream oh that yeah Daria Nicolodi's character Anne unleashes in the rain at the end is oh my god I love this I love love yeah. love this, like I might go rewatch it tonight just because that's what I'm saying like it's one of those like you can just you know you talk about it a little bit you you picture parts of it in your head and you're just like damn dude I just want to watch it again like it's uh it's it's one of those like just comp- all like eternally rewatchable horror movies yeah. Like, and, you know, I think this was, I mean, I, I guess I can't speak to the timeline for Argento's movies, but this would have been like probably right around when he was like hitting like his real peak stride, I imagine, you know, with yeah, his, with his movies. And, yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, fuck. Yeah. I, no, I think. A, yeah. I mean, there's, he has so many good movies. Suspiria, obviously, Inferno, Deep Red, Tenebrae. Mm-hmm. Phenomena, like I was thinking about this just the other day, dude. I want to start collecting like the his movie soundtracks on vinyl. 
like because i saw the local record store had like a copy of like the suspiria one and then i was like i I looked it up and i saw like there's you know the the one for for tenembra and then um you know i I thought it'd be super cool to get like all as many of them as i could you know i want to start doing that because as a record collector that'd be cool the music well the music is like in in his movies is some of the most like some of my most favorite aspects of without a doubt what i mean like he really knew how vital music could be to a movie i think better than uh, most directors out there yeah. in that sense you know absolutely obviously carpenter you know made okay. some iconic music too but i think it takes a special director to realize how important that 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 could be to a movie yeah but the, i mean those are two two staple horror directors that i would say really pair their their films with their soundtracks totally, you know what i mean totally. uh fuck yeah I just think that there's a lot of people out there um, that maybe haven't watched a lot of Italian horror or don't really know who Argento is, but uh, I feel like once you do and once you start getting into it that you're going to fall in love with it because it is its own great style, beautiful cinematography, beautiful visuals, uh, everything. It's just, even though it's this brutal these brutal movies for people getting killed in terrible, terrible ways mm-hmm. and awful shitty people. They're beautiful movies. Uh, oh yeah. And I could watch them any time, any place and still love, love and be as blown away by it as I was the first time that I watched it. That's what I mean. And like so many movies they just don't have that quality, you know? Right. <laughs> like, right. Unfortunately. Yeah, true. It's very unfortunate, but it makes the rare these rare ones so uh, so worth it. You know, I completely agree. Hell yeah! Well, okay, so we got to close out that deck, this string of uh, of years there, because yeah. um, you know David mentioned it earlier. Uh, we're going to be you know focusing on eighty three, eighty four, and uh, eighty five coming up here. Yeah, and. Um, you know another exciting string the reason we have we're doing that is because there's just so it's the 80s are saturated with with you know solid fucking horror so it's it's i'm glad we're giving ourselves time yeah. to breathe on this you it, know we, it we need been it a, man it would have been a disservice to just do one episode and i feel Absolutely. like splitting it splitting it into three like we could have even split it into four but i didn't want it to drag on that long so i feel like but yeah, like I said, it's just it's a good idea to split this up because there is just so much horror. It's so much good horror. Um Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, hey, well, like I said, we'll leave it there. You got like take take some of these horror recommendations and roll with them if you haven't seen them already. Uh mm-hmm. because you know, it's it they're like all I mean, a lot of them are just great, like you know, fan foundational, like great movies so check them out if you haven't keep listening always the whack arnold's brothers are churning them out why because uh you know that's what we're here for uh david you got any last words wrapping up these three years um i really don't just if they're if for the listeners (laughs) if there if there's something that you heard here that you maybe haven't seen a movie and it you piqued your interest and you want to go see it, then I would recommend you do that. Or if there's something that you have seen before and we brought out 
uh, nostalgia for that movie and you want to go watch it, just basically all I want to really do with these is just get people to either branch out and watch something they never watched before or rediscover their love for something they have watched before.